You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany sermon series, Questions from God. This series will seek to answer the questions, what does God think about us given what we've done and what has been done to us? How does God respond to our sin and suffering? What is his posture towards us? And what does that mean for our posture towards each other? The answers we'll discover will reveal the character and heart of God to a people burdened by guilt and fatigue. Now hear the word of the Lord from Genesis 3, 8 to 10. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you were walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen and hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. It's good to see you guys. It's good to be with you. It's good to gather with God's people this morning. Uh, my name is Jonah, and I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn. Thanks for joining us, uh, giving us some of your time this morning. Uh, so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at just a few verses in Genesis chapter 3. And then after that, we're going to spend about 11 weeks in the first two chapters of Genesis. Um, it's where our story begins, and so it's, it's worthy of significant reflection, which we're eager to do throughout the fall. Um, there's a book that may be helpful for you to kind of get your mind in the spot of where we'll be once this series after this, a series we're calling Sacred, those first um, two chapters of Genesis. It's a book by the, I mean, he's got to be a patron saint. If we did saints in Protestantism, he would be a saint. Dr. Eugene Peterson, he wrote a book called Christ Plays in 10,000 Places. And if you say that, that title makes no sense, I would say buy the book. Um, we have copies of it out at the welcome table now. It's, a, it's the kind of book where you'll read three or four pages and then need to go for a walk. Um, not because it's complicated, but because it's deep and it's impactful and it, it'll, it'll cause a lot of reflection and thinking. It's, a, it's the kind of book you want to chew on over a cup of tea or, or a cup of coffee. So you might want to pick it up now if you're interested, get going on it, and then we'll be ready for when this next series starts in just a few weeks. Uh, it's one of my favorite books of all time, and I'm so thankful that it ties in with the series that's coming up. So I highly encourage you to pick it up. I want to begin this morning, or, or this portion, I guess, with a story that I heard from a good friend of our church, uh, Dr. Chuck DeGroat. Um, he's a therapist, a seminary professor, and I recently heard him tell a story. It took place many a long, long time ago. Um, there was a young man who had just finished preparing uh, for the pastoral ministry. He had gone to seminary, finished his education to be a pastor. Uh, he didn't have a congregation, though, and he didn't have any opportunities in front of him. So he started going from town to town, it was more like village to village, and preaching in the town square every day at noon, day after day. He would be in a new place, stand up, and he would preach his heart out. One day after preaching, an older man approached him from the crowd, said what a fine job the young man had done. And he asked if he would join this older man and some of his friends that evening and share from God's word again. The, the young man was so ecstatic that someone listened, that someone heard, and that wanted him to come and preach again. So the young man went home, and he prepared well for the evening. He was praying, he was going over all of his notes from school, and he put together what he thought would be a, a powerful and profound message. 
when he showed up that night to where the old man told him to be, he found an outdoor amphitheater in a, a large crowd, a larger crowd than he had ever heard or ever seen before. And while there was singing and people are rejoicing, he felt his heart beating faster and faster. It felt like the big moment. He, he was getting so nervous. He could feel his heart pounding out of his chest. When, when the older man got on stage and invited him up to preach, the whole congregation erupted in applause. And then the young man stood up and what felt like for the first time in front of a real crowd, he began to preach. And as he was preaching, you could, you could hear a pin drop in the congregation. Uh, he had rapt attention. And when he concluded at the end with a call to come and follow Jesus, the congregation stood in applause and they screamed and shouted and men and women came forward weeping to give their lives to Christ. Afterwards, the older man came to him and put his arm around him after, you know, the many men and women came up to him and said, what a fine job he did, best sermon they'd ever heard. It was incredible. And the, the old man came up to him and said how proud he was of this young man. What a fine, fine job he had done and said, would you be willing to come back tomorrow night and be with us again? The young man went home completely ecstatic. He stayed up all night writing a new message. He was too excited to sleep, too filled with joy and gratitude to sleep. So he studied through the night wrote another message. He came back the next evening filled with expectation, feeling, you know, that feeling, feeling on fire like the Spirit of God was with him. Everyone was singing again, and the energy was so intense again. Then the old man came up on stage again and talked about how wonderful the preacher they had that evening was, what a joy it was going to be to sit under his teaching. And then the old man invited somebody else up on the stage. And the young preacher sat in the congregation and watched as everyone gave their rapt attention to this new preacher. When the young man concluded with a call to come and follow Jesus, and the congregation again stood in applause and gave him a standing ovation, and men and women came forward weeping, he fell into a dark sadness. His heart sank, a cloud came over him as he watched person after person come up and say to someone else the same things that they had said to him the night before. He sat in a seat for a long time that night, watching everybody leave the amphitheater. And then the old man came up to him and asked him to go for a walk. Through the cool evening breeze, the old man said to this young aspiring preacher, he said, you are neither who you thought you were last night as the crowd applauded, nor who you think you are tonight when they applaud for someone else. Why don't you stay a while with us and we'll show you who you really are. Every one of us lives in the tension between the applause and the silence. Who am I is one of the most significant questions we can ask and answer in this life. Every year in August, we take some time to try to consider who we are as a church. And for me, it's been difficult because I wrestle with, are we the church that everyone applauded when we were growing, when we were voted the best church in Southern Indiana three years in a row? Did you know that? We've got plaques in the bathroom if you need proof. That's where we put them. Are we the church everyone applauded when we were growing? Or are we the church that lost 30% of our congregation last year? We are neither the church we think we are when all looks well, nor who we are when things are difficult. So we want to stay a while 
in God's word, just a few verses, and let him show us who we are. I love the details we receive in Genesis 3, verse 8. And remember, this is shortly after the greatest mistake, the greatest failure in human history. But we read in verse 8, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. What strikes you there? Does anything stir in you there? Is there a detail that you notice? God taking a slow evening stroll in the garden that he made. A beautiful, cool evening. I love that it says the cool evening breezes. He seems so patient and calm to me here, surprisingly so, given what's just happened. He's not rushing. He's not running. He's simply walking. But what did Adam and Eve do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. You remember a mistake that you've made? Remember a significant failure you've, you've had in life? Remember how you felt when you were worried you'd be found out? Can you imagine how truly terrified these two must have been? The Lord made these two out of a handful of dirt and a rib. He made a whole universe by speaking, and they think they can hide in trees to avoid him. I wonder who they thought they were in this moment. Were they failures or disappointments? Have you seen how this kind of fear, this kind of despair has led you to make these kinds of irrational decisions in your life? In the trees, Adam and Eve are, are subtly whispering, there's nothing to see here. Fear makes us hide. Fear makes us hide from God and from others and even from ourselves. How does God respond to the greatest failure of human history? First, he goes on a walk. And second, he asks a question. Verse 9. Where are you? The first words from God after the fall are a question. How does that sit with you? How does that square with your view of who God is and what he's like? You know the power of questions in your own life? They draw us out. They, they reveal something about the person who's asking the question. What does where are you tell us about God? Where are you is a question of desire. It implicitly says, I want to be with you. God, here in the first moments after the fall, is revealing himself to be a patient, compassionate God who is interested in us, even after the failure. Not interested like a scientist or a theologian might be, but like a father concerned for his children. God has been reaching out for his children since the first moments of the fall. That's the mission of God, if you've forgotten, to reach his children with the good news that he is a good dad. If you want to answer the question, who am I, between the applause and the silence, who are we as a church, 
who am I as a man, as a woman, we first have to answer the question, where am I? I believe so strongly that is the first question God is asking us. Where am I? Where are you? Where are you hiding? Maybe not in literal trees, but try to consider where are you going? What are you doing to avoid your fear? Whatever it is you might be afraid of. Where are you going and what are you doing to avoid pain in your life? Where are you going looking for that applause so you can avoid the silence? Where are you hiding now that COVID cases are on the rise again? It's like we've gone back in time and we have to wonder, are we going to do it all over again? Where are you now that the kids are back in school or now that you're unemployed or now that dad is gone? Where are you? Some of us are so wounded from all the conflict of the last year. So where are we? We're hiding by avoiding others. Don't want to deal with that again. Don't want that hurt again. Some of us are afraid of all of the unknowns waiting for us over the next 6, 12, 18 months. So we hide by going into our busyness and our work. Maybe you hide from your loneliness and your addictions. You hide from your disappointments and laziness. Maybe you're new here at this church and you're worried, you're afraid this church will be like all the others, so you stay on the outskirts of our community. There are so many places and ways that we learn to hide as men and women. Where are you? Where are you? With just a couple of minutes, I want to announce something to you. And I want to invite you into something. First, perhaps the most stunning announcement in human history. God is walking to find you. That, if you're taking notes, that might be something worth writing down or just chalking away in your memory and go sit with that statement for a while and you might see how truly stunning it is. God is walking to find you. That's different than God is coming after you. He's walking to find you. He's not stomping his way towards you. He's patiently, compassionately walking towards you. We know this from the Garden of Eden in his response to Adam and Eve here, certainly, but we see it most clearly in his son, Jesus. This is how God walks to you. This is what it looks like. John 3, 16, a famous verse. God gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, does not demand from you, does not condemn you, God gives to you. That is his first movement towards us who have rebelled from him. He gives to us. He's compassionate and kind and walking towards you. This passage is speaking about a kind of life, not just a a duration of life. In John's gospel, when he talks about eternal life, he doesn't just mean life that goes on forever. It's a qualitative kind of life. It's a life where you don't have to hide anymore because you can know and experience that you are loved by God. This is the mission of our church because it's the mission of God to reach people with this good news. 
Some of us hide because we forget that's what we're doing here as a church, reaching people with good news. Our mission is not to win arguments. Our mission is not to take sides. Our mission is to make an announcement that new life is available, a life of freedom and vulnerability and power and honesty because God gave you his son. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God offers us forgiveness of sins. Because we are forgiven, we are God's children. So we are no longer in trouble. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Because of Christ, you're no longer in trouble. And because you are God's child, you have the God of the universe in your corner. If this announcement is true, you do not have to be afraid. You do not have to be afraid. And if you don't have to be afraid, you don't have to hide. God is walking towards you and he's asking you, where are you? I just want to show you his posture one more time. Here's Dr. Peterson again. This is how he translates Romans 2, verse 4. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us to radical life change. That's the announcement. God has made a way for you. He's walking towards you. He's holding you by the hand and he's going to lead you. He's kind, absolutely, but there are things he wants to transform in you, specifically that life of hiding that you're prone to. So that's the announcement I want you to hear. God is walking towards you. Freedom is available. Now here's the invitation. Stay here a while. Hiding only isolates us from relationships, both with God and each other. If you stay a while with the Lord and his people, you will see that God is not soft. There are profound and often painful places inside each one of us that he wants to renovate. Consider what might have happened if that young man didn't come back for the second night. What might have happened in his soul? What might have happened in his character and personality? Maybe he would have grown to be proud and confident. Maybe he would have spent years growing more self-assured only to be crushed when he finally failed. What may have happened if he had said, no, I'm not going to go on the walk with you after the second night? Maybe he would have spiraled into deep depression and loneliness. Maybe he would have lost any sense of self-confidence. Staying a while forces us to confront either of those extremes in each of us, the ways we're prone to the applause and the ways that we're prone to silence. So what does it mean to stay a while? Put yourself in a position to be around the same people in the same place for some time. Because you are neither who you think you are on the day of your greatest successes, neither are you who you think you are in the moment of your greatest failures. You are a child of the Most High God, held safe by the blood of Jesus. One of the first ways we can start answering, where am I, is by staying in one place with the same people for a while. You may not see who you are or where you are clearly, but God's word and God's people can show you. So stay a while in this place with these people and let's learn together. Maybe for you, this just means 
I'm going to attend Sundays regularly. That will be your step. Maybe for you it will mean joining second step on Wednesday nights. Maybe it just means calling three people and saying, I want to read the Bible and pray with you guys every week. Can we just do that until Christmas? Stay a while and let the people of God show you who you are and where you are. Put yourself in a position to be in the same place with the same people for some time. Because again, you may not know where you are, but God's word and God's people can show us. God's mission to the world is to reach scared people with the announcement that he is a good dad and you don't have to hide. As God's church, this is the announcement we get to make in a world lost in hiding. You don't have to be afraid anymore and you don't have to hide anymore, so stay a while and we'll show you who you are. Every week we ground ourselves in the great invitation to come out of hiding, what allows us to and what empowers us to. And so we remember the night Jesus was betrayed. He took a loaf of bread, blessed it, thanked God for it. He broke it and he looked to his disciples and he said, this is my body given for you. Eat this and remember what I've done for you. In the same way, when the meal was over, he took a cup of wine and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed with the shedding of my blood. Drink this as often as you eat in remembrance of me. So what, what allows us to come out of hiding? Christ's body has been given to us so that our sins might be forgiven through his death on the cross. How do we know we don't have to be afraid? Because our relationship with God is secured by the blood of Christ, not by your performances, not by your successes or your failures. It's held fast by what Jesus has done. So here we remember we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to hide. So I invite you now to take your cup. Behold the wafer and remember the body of Christ was given for you. Eat this in remembrance of him. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.